Hello, everyone. We're your host, Will Marie and Justin from Keen Consulting, and we're here to talk about project management and business solutions. Please listen, take note, enjoy yourselves, and let's go. Hey guys, it's Will Marie here. And this is Justin. And uh, sorry we've been kind of away from the podcasting for a while. We've been really busy, you know, developing our field service management software. And today we are actually going to talk about um, the field service industry going to corporate. You know, in these past couple of months, I've really uh, seen the corporateness, if you want to call it that, of the field service industry and what's happening to the, you know, mom and pop store or uh, service people and all that stuff. So today we're going to go over a few of those things. Yeah. And so um, as Justin was saying, you know, it seems like um, there a lot of field service are going there really, um, there seems to be a disconnect right now between the organizational goals and the operational incentives with field service. Right. Um, and um, I think, what would you say? Why? Why? Why that is? I mean, I. To be per- totally honest, I think that money has a big role in you know, because you always hear about these unicorns, you know the. Companies go public and they have billion dollar valuation and everybody wants to achieve that. Yeah, it's very it's becoming very profit German now, and and I understand you know when you're running a business you're gonna you need to make money but at the same time, you know you, there's other things that go into that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You and, need to build your brand rather than just build a machine. Yeah. So, um, and so when we were talking like the field service, um, now what are the issues that they're having? Yes, they're focusing on profit, but then it seems like a lot of them are really having a hard time, um, just, uh, actually, you know, giving good service or, you know, like servicing their customers like they should be. Yeah. And here's the thing, you know, working in the industry and all that good stuff, I have seen where companies literally get um, get uh, workers off of Craigslist. I mean, granted, not all people that you know post their services on Craigslist are bad employees or don't know how to do the job that they're uh, saying they can do. However, if you're running a business and you want to ensure that you put out a certain type of brand and you want to ensure that these people know what they're doing and get the job done the first time, you know, you need to have some, some control over your employees. Yeah. So what do you think is like, if I'm a field service business, what do you, what do you think I could do about, you know, um, how do I say this? Like just the whole, you know, like not, yeah, I'm focusing on my profit, but how, how can I make it to where, you know, I'm successful in my field service business? You know, like that I'm, my customers are, you know, I'm, I'm getting my customers taken care of. I'm, my customers are becoming repeat customers. 
because it seems like, I mean, we did something about this. Um, there's actually um, plenty of articles that we've written about this, about how a lot of it's got to do with the first time fix rates of a lot of uh, the companies for, you know, and for those of you who don't know what a first time fix rate is, basically it's um, the number of times it's going to take you to go out there and do um, the job done get it done right the first time right um you know without revisits or the repeat visits um so your first time fix rate ideally you want to have that all the way up to like 90 percent um or above, or above. Mm -hmm. and when you're hitting like 50 percent first time fix rate you're really hurting like you're not going to get repeat customers customers are not going to want to do business with you and if your first time fix rate is only let's say 50 40 percent you're, how much money are you losing? Yeah. And you know, it, you're going to have to pay tech. If you have a W-2 staff or you have 1099s, you have to pay them to go back out there to get it done correctly. Yeah. You know, whether you were missing parts or mm -hmm. they just weren't knowledgeable enough, you know, you're spending your time and money to try to get this fixed time after time after time. You know, recently I've seen jobs where we've had people out on site five times and it's still not fixed. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like we were saying back to the profit driven they're they're when, when you're looking, companies are really focusing on the top level. It's usually management. They're really focused on the, um, the macro versus the micro. So the macro would be just the revenue, like, okay. Um, we, how many clients do we have, you know, and, and they're not really focused on the processes, so I think when you're starting out and I, I, and it, it, you could do it too when you're big, you, but it's just going to take a lot of restructuring. Um, but I think really when you're starting out small, I think to do it the right way, I think is really looking down at your processes and, and docking, you know, like having a process in place and streamlining things. Um, so that when you do grow, you're not like losing sight of everything. You know what I mean? You, you have something established, you know what I mean? It's already established. That and your technicians are your number one ambassador, especially when in COVID, you know, it's very rare that, you know, you're going to have a salesperson actually go out to somebody's house now. You know, they're going to talk to you and try to consult with you over the phone. Mm -hmm. And when they send a tech out, he's the one going to be the face of your company. So you need to instill in your workforce, you know, your company values and your mission. Yeah. And I think that that's what the companies are lacking is that they're not really looking and um, seeing what it takes to be on the, you know, they're not seeing the job that's happening on the ground, you know what I mean? Or what's happening in the mid levels, you know what I mean? Um, there's also that disconnect too uh, between the office and the field. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when you're working with contract employees that you just got off Craigslist, a lot of times you're talking with them via email. You know, if they have a problem on site, they email you and you're sitting there in the office. How many emails do you have in front of that from the uh, contractor? You might have 10, 20 emails. It's going to take you 30, 40 minutes to get through. Mm -hmm. You know, so therefore, if, <clears throat> if you have an issue on site, you need to be able to get in touch with that contractor immediately. That way they don't get frustrated and just leave. Yeah, I've I've seen that happen where, you know, the technician on site has a question and then, you know, they wait around for an hour or two hours and they don't ever get an answer and they just get frustrated and leave. And you still have to pay them because they said they were going to do this work, but they, 
you know, that you never got back to them. So it's kind of like you dropped them. They're still going to bill you. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. So if I'm a field service business, I'm kind of small, you know, I haven't grown yet. And, you know, I kind of see some things happening, you know, like with my services, like, my, you know, I want, I want to keep my customers that I have now. I want to try to, you know, track my first time fixed rate, you know, now that you told me what it is, but how would I go about, how would I go about making it to where I become successful? Like how I, so when I do grow, I'm not focused on just my profit. And then I, you know, before I know it, you know, I'm having customers that are dropping me at, a, you know, dropping me like a hat and because I can't even perform at the level, you know, that I used to perform or. Yeah. You want to ensure that your technicians, your, both your contract and your W2s have knowledge, have access to knowledge, to new things that are coming out. You want to be able to ensure that your calls, your call, excuse me, your call screeners or your call center has some knowledge in your field, whether it be HVAC, plumbing, electrical, IT, anything. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to ensure that they can correctly diagnose it. That way the technician can get the right parts on his truck. He can... Um, he can understand the manuals that he needs to look at while he's on site. Mm -hmm. um, and they need to have access to that information too. Not the, not just what the call center thinks it is. Mm -hmm. And they need to have access to the manuals. Um, a lot of times you know, you'll have techs, you'll have techs just looking on YouTube for hours and hours while they're on site, get, billing you trying to figure out what the problem is. Yeah. Um, then, uh, um, so, um, you know, we, we did cover a couple things about that, you know, like, uh, it seems like the problems too is like, you know, going back to the disconnect with the field and the office. I mean, you, you talked about some of the frustrations that you were seeing in some of the uh, companies you worked for the, right. you know, um, with the projects not going, you know, like, what were you saying? Like, you know, having like 40% fixed rate and... and... <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of the things I've seen is that um, a lot of our issues when running, let's say, a large-scale project, um, a big issue we see is with the warehouse. The warehouse not shipping all the parts that we need. The warehouse running out of parts we need. Um, and just having a big disconnect between the information that gets to the technicians. Um, now this isn't necessarily just the warehouse's issues, not necessarily the PM's issue. It's overall leadership who started this and the salesman. It's, it's everybody's together. You know, let's say you can't always say yes to a project. You can't always say, yes, I'm going to do this project, get it done in your timeline and everything. Sometimes you need to kind of say, okay, we can do this project, but we're gonna have to adjust the timeline and ensure we get everything in. That way we don't have a shortage in parts. The supply chain doesn't get broken like it has in COVID because whenever COVID happened, every, all the supply lines got shut down and you didn't have nothing because it all came from China. Mm -hmm. You know, we're slowly getting some of that supply supply back. But, you know, as soon as it comes in, it gets taken. So you don't necessarily get that supply. Um so you really just need to work with customer, say, yes, I can get, get your project done, but, you know, the timeline might have to change a little bit. 
Um, and you can't promise the world and give them a rain and not give them the rainbow too. And you know, that's I think that's great you say that because you can't service everyone and and but you know I think what it is is that I guess businesses are just scared that if they were to tell their customer no, that they're just going to lose the customer. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. What do you think? I I think the customer would be more would be happy that they were at least honest with them up front. What do you think? I I would hope so. But a lot of times, uh, especially towards the end of the year, these customers have this left over budget that they got to spend. So that way they can get, you know, a higher budget for their next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some aspects, you know, towards like the end of the year, the company wants something done and done in this timeline. If you can't do it, they'll go somewhere else. That is true. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just, honestly, it's a lot of factors to go into, you know, working with the customer and ensuring that you can meet their, the, what they set out to get done. Um, it's just, you, like I said, you can't promise the world to your customer and not give them the rainbow to go with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, going back to, you know, the processes and... We really apologize, guys. We have this little fat, puppy. Little fat, <laughs> little fat pug that's barking at nothing. Um, uh, yeah, so as you guys know, with COVID and everything, everyone's uh, been at home. So, you know, uh, working from home. So it's been a challenge for everyone. So, you know, dealing with pets and, and children and... Especially children. <laughs> so as you know, you know, trying to keep noise levels in the background is kind of... Um, kind of hard lately so um back to where we were talking about um you know just how service business uh service or field service businesses can do better um you know we were touching when you were talking about that you know the um first time fix rate and how the technicians you know certain things um they didn't have access to or you know they could have been right. done better um we 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 read about that how some of the um uh, some of the um, you know them them not having access to the right parts when they're there. There was that communication. I mean, ninety four percent of techs are using email to communicate with the office. Yeah, I, I think that I, is I mean, a, that's a big issue. Um, well, a lot of service companies they get these software programs and think it's going to be all great and mighty. All it does is cut out some of the paperwork. Yeah, it does. But you also get these apps and you know software like this where you're going between two or three different softwares to get one thing done. You know, I saw a tech a couple of weeks ago. He was going between email and two separate apps to ensure his time was in for that project. I mean, that's ridiculous. It should all be in one place. And how much time do you think he's even spending? He's it's going about, between three it's, different apps. It's probably about 30 minutes in the morning and probably 20, 30 minutes in the evening. So that's an hour of their day. And if these are union guys, guess what? They can only give you, after that, they can only give you seven other hours. Wow. They don't work overtime. Yeah. And if you, if they do work overtime, you're paying out the wazoo. Oh yeah. With union. Yeah. And that's understandable. So what, so, so if I was a service business right now, just listening to this, would I be like, well, you know, there isn't anything really out there, you know, like, what can I do then? You know, how can I go about purchasing technology 
you know, that's not just focused on streamlining my, you know, um, basic tasks is what you would call it. You know what I mean? Like just my, my workload, you know, first off, don't listen to salespeople that try to sell you anything. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to the salespeople because they'll tell you it does all this great stuff and you'll get it and you're going to spend thousands of dollars, you know, hours and hours of work trying to get this thing to work. And then when it does finally work, it's only half ass. Mm-hmm. You know, do your own research. You know, look up, you know, all the different I'm sure there's there's actually marketplace for field service software. You can go look and look at everything that they have. Um, I mean, honestly, you could even go to our website and look at our stuff. Um, you know, it's www.chitsystem.com. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to try to sell you anything because I don't know if, you know, what I have will work for you. You know, just go out and do your own research. Yeah. I mean, although when we did do our uh, software, you know, it was mainly focused with the problems that everybody, you know, that you guys are having. But like Justin said, you know, if you want to go in there and check it out, you guys can. But when looking for software, you really need to look at, is it just, you know, going to streamline my processes in the way that it's just basically taking away paperwork and doing good time, you know, recording stuff accurately or is it really going to give me information and stuff that my techs need uh is it gonna um, help you get the job done help yeah basically help me get is it going to be able to fill in those gaps to where you know i could bring you know now the office into the field like basically you know communication you you know with software you can get all the numbers you want with all the numbers you want in the world you can have all the analytics okay is the analytics gonna help you get the job done yeah and then another thing too is that you, what's surprising is that, you know, we, and you could say that you could attest to this because you're, you know, that you're in the field, but, um, you know, them not having even the parts, even like, you know, it's not just communicating an email. Now right. I go to the job site and now I don't even have parts, the right parts for this. And is the software even doing that? You know? Yeah. I mean, you can't. A software won't be able to tell you what parts you need mm-hmm. uh, unless it's written in the ticket and you look at it prior to going to the job. But how often are you out in the field and you get an emergency call that you got to go somewhere? Mm-hmm. You got to have some stock in your truck. Um, now, a lot of companies don't like to do that because if you have stock on your truck and your truck is broken into, you just lost you know, $500 for a little part. Um but you want a system that can be able to track what you have. That way, if that does happen, you can, you know, do a police report and get the insurance you have to replace it. To cover it, yeah. Um, but, you know. We got to think they, cut, they use, tool, they have tools in their trucks too. Right. And they're lugging around tools all the time. Right. I mean, you know. Those get, those end up in pawn shops a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much do you think they're even, like, losing in the tools that they get left behind or even Shoot. broken into. I know, I know one company I worked for at one time, they were losing close to $3,000 a month in tools. Wow. You know, ladders, extension cords, lasers that did plumb, or I guess plumb lasers, plumb levels, whatever you want to call it. Impact drivers, you know, you name it, they lost it. Hammer drills. Um, you know, there's only a couple ways to track that and 
Honestly, Chit's one of those. The, the, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but you know, working in the field, I I know, you know, a lot of things that companies are needing, and you know, they don't really know that they need it because they look at all these numbers, um, and analytics, but they're but not. But the analytics the, is not going to tell you. No, here's how you get your analytics from mm-hmm. the job getting done. Mm-hmm. That's how you get at your analytics. But companies are looking at it all wrong. They're looking at analytics. As okay, I'm getting this much money. Uh, this money is going here. This person's on the job. This okay, but you're looking at it all wrong. Well, then, okay, so let me ask you this you just told me I'm looking at analytics wrong. How should I be looking at analytics then? If I see data, you know, what I mean, what should I be looking at it like? How should I approach this? Well, you need to get your data from the field, not just your revenue. Because a lot of companies just look at revenue. Okay, you need to get your data from the field. Okay, how many times are you fixing the job the first time? How many times have you had to go back out to the job because you're missing this? Or let's say your tech wasn't competent enough. You didn't have the right information. You didn't have the education. You know, so you got to send another tech out there that's probably more experienced. You know, what techs are causing, are having, causing issues for you? You know, how many times does this tech go out there compared to this tech you know what are some issues with okay i don't have parts sent here to do this site you know is the warehouse issue what is the issue you can't get any of that information without getting the trying to get the work done first Mm -hmm. and it seems like you know this is something we're writing in our book um uh started writing our book uh you know, kind of to help you guys out there, uh, any field service businesses out there to, you know, kind of go in and see what you need to do to be better or, you know, no matter the starting point that you're at, you know, whether you're starting out, whether you're, you know, established. Um, but yeah, I think really going in there and doing a process review. Yeah. And and surprisingly, a lot of field service businesses don't do process reviews. Or they don't even have processes. Or they don't even know, or they don't have processes. I mean, how many companies have you seen that don't have a process in place? I mean, there's quite a few, but, you know, a lot of times in these, you know, I call them mom and pops, you uh-huh. know, where they really try to take care of the customer and stuff, but they start getting a little bit bigger. And they um, lose sight of that. Well, not that they lost sight. They just start getting bigger and... They didn't have processes to begin with, so and they started getting bigger and growing and getting busier, and they haven't had time to build processes. So things kind of start falling to the wayside, and you know you start going for revenue rather than getting the job done correctly. And that's the thing. I'm a big stickler with the the streamlining processes. You always want to have standard operating procedures, and ideally you want to have um, an organ two types of standard operating operation procedures like you want to have the organizational which is basically your overall business but then you want to have departmental ones yeah. basically um where you could if someone say you Dies know at their desk. i don't know like the government <laughs> i mean that, that's not bad i mean that's kind of mean to say but i mean like if someone you have to replace an employee you know or or like you know you're have turnover you know someone could easily go in there and and do the job you know and and that's the thing like you know, for example, you know, we were both military. So in the military, we have nothing but SOPs, SOPs and standard yeah. operating procedures. And, you know, it, I, I just, it's just. I mean, they have regulations makes, on sexual positions and naps. 
<laughs> yes, they do. That that's what's yeah, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> the regulation on sexual positions don't really exist anymore. It's kind of mm-hmm. taken back to the wayside. But however, the NAPS one just came into effect later earlier this sure. year. Yeah, it, it's nuts. But anyway, it, it, yeah. So you have no excuse in the military. Like it, it's for everything, up to what you're wearing, and and it's just you'd be surprised. But that's how organizations should have it. You know, like if you're, you're, when you're starting small, I think you should, you, you know, even if you want to stay up small, yeah. you should have uh, processes in place. That's yeah. really going to help you yeah. um, because it's going to help you understand. Yeah. And then if you're doing a process review and you don't have any processes in place, I mean, now is the time. I think during that time is where you should probably yeah. start doing it. Especially if you have, you know, certain times of year where you're slower than others. Let's mm-hmm. say you're... <clears throat> you're a plumbing person, you're probably more busy during the summer, you know, getting some of these big, you know, construction jobs done or, you know, you know, sewage and all that good stuff. That's most likely in the summer. Um, so you want to take your slow times to kind of revamp your processes and look into it and try to streamline your processes or you're going to start getting too big for your britches and focus only on revenue and hurry up and get it done no matter how many times you have to go back out there it still shows the same revenue but it never shows your expenses mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times you know with these uh, companies that started getting bigger they only care about the revenue that's they want to show their board and everybody and their shareholders that they're getting revenue so now let's go back to the so for the process review you know like not having processes so what's the implications of that you know you were you were selling like how um, you know not just issues in the field what about other parts like the warehouse area or the office area warehouses especially because a lot of times i'm gonna try not to get on tangent um but a lot of times in warehouse you honestly in the warehouses you don't usually hire the best of the best honestly for warehouse you get these you know, lower level people that may or may not have graduated college, high school even. So a lot of times they haven't really worked in a corporate or they're not that, you know, excited to kind of go out and do things on their own. Yes, there might be people that do that, but you can't guarantee that. Uh, I mean, you can't really guarantee that with anybody. However, um, especially with the group of people you usually get in the warehouse. So and that... That being said, like with the warehouse, though, like even though you're you're saying there's a type um, of people that work there, so is it because the type of people that you're hiring that you everything's going wrong? Because no, the way I'm seeing it, like the processes not company not placing processes. It, it it is, and what I was trying to get at is, you know, if you don't have those processes in place, you're gonna have people that are just kind of try to throw stuff into a box and send it out. Yeah. So you have to have those processes. That way a monkey can follow it. Literally you could teach a monkey sign language. It's been done. Yeah. And I get you because what, you know what the problem is too though. And see, this is from my perspective is that a lot of companies are encouraging innovation. And this is something we talked about too. Um, I think, if anybody wants to uh, go check out our blogs, go to chitsystem.com or kteamconsulting.com. Uh, we're on social media as well. I do, we do put a lot of articles out about yeah. topics like this. And one of them was innovating. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is like a lot, you'd be surprised that a lot of companies 
you know, they just hire just to hire and they don't really focus on really the quality of their hires. And that's not just in warehouse. That's also with, um, your office people. Yeah. But you were talking about innovation. Yeah. How many times have you thought of an idea and your idea got snuffed out? How pissed off did you get at your company? And basically you stopped doing anything over what you were told to do or what your job was. You stuck, stuck just to your job description and that's it. Or you just want to find another job because you were so pissed. Yeah, and that happens a lot. And, you know, but there the reason is, and studies show this, is because um, management doesn't take consideration. They'll automatically knock down the employees' um, you know, thought process. Because they're afraid to their board. Well, also, is because now companies have so many layers of management. Yeah. And, and when they have so many layers, the management at the mid-levels or even the lower levels are so focused on um, hurry up and get the job done you know, the processes and how quickly they get them done, not whether, you know, they're streamlined or innovative or, you know, like how they can innovate a certain process. Right. And that's why you see companies like Amazon or Google and all them, they're successful. And the reason is because they're kind of, they actually encourage innovation in between in their organizations. Right. And I've actually seen places where, okay, a PM, somebody in my shoes, mm-hmm. usually you're supposed to have two, maybe three layers of management. You'll have yourself, the operations director the you'll have the uh shoot the chief chief operating officer and then the ceo yeah i've also been in organizations where you have six levels of management above the pm oh wow Mm -hmm. and that and how does that how does anything get done you got it's, it's it's like playing telephone yeah, it really is. You one know, person so, could say one thing, and then the next thing, the other person. I think the yeah. message kind of, you know, lose it. Like you it's lose like the game details. In, it's like the game telephone in school. Yeah. You know your your teacher tell you one thing, and it goes all the way down the line, and at the end at the end of the line, it's a totally different story. Yeah, and I think honestly too is like you got too many heads running the show, and not too many workers at the at the bottom either. That's just another prop, another you know. Just the way I'm seeing. So if I'm a field service business, you know, starting out, I probably, what would you say that I should try to avoid by doing stuff like, you know, like. Give your employees a incentive for trying to innovate the processes Mm -hmm. and, you know, making your business better. I think it really comes to communication too. Yeah. But honestly, if you empower your employees to innovate stuff, you could be getting something really good for really cheap. You never know. Oh yeah, and the, well, and, and and there's a sense of team when you involve people. They know they that it's more. Stake. They have personal. Yeah, stake. they have personal stake in the company, and it's more. It's greater than them. It's not just about them and the job. It's about the organization as a whole. Um, also, not putting so many uh, layers of management. I mean, do you really need a lot of heads no. to drive the mission? Do you really need that many people? And also, it's not just the employees at the lower level. Also, encouraging management to come up with innovative processes as well. Right. Because managers can actually see things, too, from their level. Yeah, they they can see stuff from the analytics that they get from the job getting done. Mm-hmm. Not look at the analytics first and then try to tell somebody how to do the job. Mm-hmm. So, if you start seeing trends in one way or the other, the management can go back and look, let's say, look at the first time fixed rate tracker that we built, you know, 
it tells you it has the reasons and the text and everything. Like, okay, we're starting to kind of see a trend and, you know, more expenditures going this way. What are, you know, what's going on at the lower level to kind of justify that? Or, you know, where do we need to adjust? Yeah. And for those of you who want to know, um, in because we were touching on the first-time fixed rate, uh, we do have a, t- a first-time fixed rate tracker. And it is free. Um along with a profitability tracker. Yep. Uh, you can see it at our website. Go to chitsystem.com and uh, chit... Chitsystem.com slash freebies. Slash freebies. Uh, chitsystem spelled C-H-I-T and then system.com. And then, yeah, slash freebies, F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. Um, and check it out. Uh, you go in there and you can see see for yourself. But as we were saying, you know, it can help track. Right track that and just knowing that yeah. you know um will help you because if i know what my fixed rate is then i'll be able to ask the right questions right you know what i mean yeah. go to the text go to my field managers you know and understand what is going on you know right um what do you think are the common reasons that your first time fixed rate like you being on the field and working for various companies what what have you seen that is common that why it's so low or if it is low or if they're not driving that or losing the customer. Well, there's three reasons, three main reasons that I've seen, you know, the first time fix rate kind of plummet in companies. One, uh, not getting the parts, uh, on site at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say a company is running a big project and they're doing just in time shipping. Sometimes that can get missed. You know, you want to be able to schedule out a couple of weeks in advance. Um, two, communication to the technicians. A lot of times, let's say you're a, comp- you're, you're a company that has gotten a pro- very big project and you can't do all the work yourself, so you sub-, sub some of it out. Well, your sub, guess what they do? They sub it out to individuals. And sometimes those individuals have groups of people that work for them so they're subbing it out again. So you got three or four different avenues of communication that don't all mesh up. Um, another thing is, you know, tech tech competency. You know, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's very rare that you get bad equipment. It's honestly very rare. Now there are times that you know you'll have a batch of equipment that gets out the door. Uh, let's say you got a hundred media players that go out. And, you know, 50% of them are bad. That is very rare. So that's not a big issue. Um, like I said, just the communication, the you know, tech competency, and missing parts. So you think it's the lack of knowledge and text. Now let me ask you this. That's interesting you bring that up because with studies showing that 70% of the workforce, you know what I mean, um, with text, they are going to be dwindling down. I think they're going to be losing about 70% of their workforce, the field service industry. Um, and I don't know if everybody's aware of that, but it is coming now with the competency. Are you seeing that with the younger is the younger technicians or is it like older technicians? Because usually the older ones, um, tend to be a little bit more experienced. Wouldn't you think on the field? Depends on the, which kind of industry you're in, in the field service, you know, Mm -hmm. um, now with on the technicians on the technical you know infrastructure portion Mm -hmm. or 
you know, infrastructure being electrical, IT infrastructure, plumbing, that's HVAC, that's all infrastructure. You know, a lot of times it's the younger generation not doing very well. And that's, yeah. But mm-hmm. when it comes to technical, you know, working with computers, you know, hard drives, cameras, stuff like that, it's the older generation because stuff evolves a lot. And yeah. A lot of times, you know, these all these new computer programs. So and they're probably else. not having, um, they're probably having a hard time with the uh, technology, yes. the aspects of it. Yes. So, so it, it, be, uh... it's, it just depends. So uh, order to combat that, would you think like more training should be involved? Um, how should I go about like, okay, so you're telling me this, but how should I go about fixing this issue? Should I like introduce more training? What type of training if I do introduce training, training to my techs? Well, I can't tell you what type of training. You know, uh, it kind but of like, what depends. would you what would you say from your experience, just hearing about the things? You know, like okay, you're a project manager and you have techs on the ground, and you're seeing these techs that aren't understanding certain things. What kind of training would you suggest that they should probably? A lot of times, it comes down to product training, training on a specific product that's mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think the training would need to happen. Focus um, on the product? Yeah. Because let's say you have two technicians. One's younger right out of school, right? Mm-hmm. You have one older that's been around forever, but he don't really, you know, he's he just does what he always does. Mm-hmm. You send one out to, you send the older tech out to, you know, fix something that's, you know, just came on the market six months ago. He's going to have a hard time. And you send the younger one out to something that's like a legacy part that probably needs to be changed out, but the customer doesn't want it changed out. He just wants it fixed. They're going to have a hard time too. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got to find an even balance between what to do. I think product when it come, product training is probably where you need to go. So are like a lot of companies just sending out these, okay, these texts, on a product that they've never had any training on? Yeah. Um, Just like, Basically, it's go. first availability. You know, get out there. They don't... So it doesn't seem like it's really all on the tech here. No. It seems it's like it's like the company not giving me the right tool. Because I could be out well, on the field and I don't have the proper tool. Like, I don't... You're just sending me on this job. I've never done this before. And you never gave me the training on it, so... But that's when the training comes in. If you ha- If everybody gets the same training, everybody should be able to fix it. Yeah, but if or the company's not giving the training, then you know whoever goes out there is kind of going to be flying blind. That's why you need at the technician needs access to these service manuals and stuff. Yeah, through um, applications or anything. Through well, also, or... how many times, like you know, like even not even communication between the office. So, like let's say field ma- managers, project managers, are they knowledgeable? Are they equipped to even guide the technicians on the field? To kind of tell them. A lot of times, no. A lot of times, PMs can be a PM without having hardly any knowledge in the field. Now, do you find that an issue? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. Because it depends on the size of your company. If you have a very large company and you have a PM um, that's running, you know, large projects, they don't have to be too technical. Mm -hmm. But if you have a smaller company where you have, let's say, your PM is also your field manager... You know, that PM <clears throat> needs to have quite a bit of, you know, technical expertise mm-hmm. to get it going. So it just kind of all depends. You kind of tweak it just right for you. Mm-hmm. There's not one fits all solution. Okay. Um, 
I'm trying to think. I think we're like, you know, um, just covering a couple things of that. Um, sorry, I'm like thinking in my head. <laughs> so much information. <laughs> you know, covering the PMs and uh, just, uh, you know, how how can, you know, they they fix the issues at hand, you know, if they do are, are experiencing, if you guys are experiencing any of these issues. Um, is there anything else that you've seen, like, that could be probably improved other than, you know, you're saying techs could use, you know, service manuals, the training of the technicians um, in the communication. And it seems like, you know what, back to technology here, you know, we were talking about how it just streamlined processes. Um, there's really a disconnect between office and field. Right. Really, there is. Yeah, there is. Um, what are you seeing that, what's the disconnect? Like, what do you think is happening? Are you guys, are you guys just going blind at the office and not knowing what the field guys are doing or the field guys not knowing what you guys are doing? What's the disconnect? It's a little bit of both. Um, you know, if you sub out, you know, part of the work and you're the PM on this project, you know, you're subbing out part of the work. You don't have direct communication with the techs out in the field because it's got to go through two or three levels of communication before it gets to you mm -hmm. you know and also you know a lot of times i've seen you know you know you have w2 staff and you send them out on a job to do but you just send them an email with the information and how many times can an email get lost i mean you know you're you're, you're saying email because we did say 94 yeah. percent of techs are using email yeah i mean how do I even know if I got your email? You know what I mean? I mean, you could put a re receipt on it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Do but that. like, what if I have like, you know, 100 emails in my inbox, you know, like. And I mean, you can't guarantee somebody's going to look at it. Yeah. Sometimes you can email them and then you'll have to call them. And if they don't answer your call, you text them. And it, it just gets lost in the sauce. It, it's, you have to get your processes down for your company. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to streamline it to where you can grow. So what is other ways I could do this without just using, okay, so we're saying the email is ineffective. So what, if you're telling me the email is ineffective, then what can I do? What can I put in place of that? You could put in an FM, uh, FMS, which is a field management software. Um, but you just told me that the field software is just streamlining the processes. So not what all do I need? You got to look. You got to do your own research. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like I said, don't trust a salesman for software at all. Mm-hmm. You know, do your own. So, research. if I am doing my research, what kind of software would I need? Then you to want like... something that will be able to handle your dispatching. Okay. One. So, the software will help you dispatch, and you should be able to have all the information on that dispatch. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be able to allow communication between yourself and the technician. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be able to, you know, have. The tech needs to be able to have access to information through the app, you know, somewhere easy to find. So he's not Googling everything. Yeah. Um, so you just want to make sure that the software will help you and the tech, not just help the company overall with just analytics. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to, you want something to empower your technicians to get the job done the first time. Mm-hmm. So that's really what I'm looking for then. Right. Okay. Um, also, with the subbing. Now, we, we talked about the subbing. Mm -hmm. 
is there a way I could avoid having so many subs? Or I mean, not that subbing's bad, but how do I know that my sub is not subbing somebody else? Is there a way that I could stop them from subbing somebody else? You could write a contract. And you, there's specific mm -hmm. wording you can use um, in your contracts. Um, I forget what the actual wording is. In the federal, I know in the federal government there's mm -hmm. specific wording. Um, like not for subbing. You know, you are to do the work. Yeah, because I know when the federal government, we both worked there, uh, worked in the government. Um, I know with the government, we tried to kind of stop that because we were finding that a lot of the they would sub after sub like you were saying and then you the work wouldn't be done right or it would be messed up because there was lack of communication like you were saying with the trickling down of the yeah. subs so just really you know just seeing how to cut back on that and then like even still so say we have say i have to hire a sub how can i go about ensuring that maybe i get the best sub you know what I mean? I can't always. I know I can't guarantee that I get. It's kind of like a luck of a draw thing. But how can I kind of trickle down to where I'm? I'm gonna get. You know, it's gonna be fine. And this this person get someone that knows what they're doing. Well, there's certain platforms that you know some some of these subs go on to. You know, let's say Work Market, Field Nation, Service Now. You know, some of these subs go on there, and you can see the how they've performed in the past. Mm -hmm. Now you can't see exactly what happened. You can't see the exact scope of work, but you can see, you know, I guess the overall. Let's say a tech worked on uh, troubleshooting a twenty-four port Fortinet switch, mm -hmm. right? You can see that, you know, he, it got done right the first time, and that there's no complaints. And you look at how many they've done, and you can see kind of what how to judge the technician and you call them and talk to them, you know, don't just pick one. Mm -hmm. So just, uh, so ask them questions and, and right. kind of like going through a process. Now, wouldn't you even say that would be probably like if I'm having my company, um, because who's usually getting the subs? It's usually who's picking out the subs. Is it the field managers, the project managers, Who's going out there to check who to pick out these subs? Um, or does it vary between company? It varies between company. You could have the field managers um, who are <clears throat> running technicians and being the technical point of contact, mm -hmm. um, picking out the subs. Mm -hmm. You got the PM who's a technical PM picking out the subs. So it just depends from you know company to company. And would you say like having a process on like everybody? Hey guys, if we're gonna we're gonna do subs. So this is the process we're going to do to pick out ourselves, like have a written out process, streamlined process mm -hmm. of how we're going to, this is the way, this is the questions we're going to ask them. This is how we're going to pick out and to ensure that we get the best subs that we can get Right. to have a process in place. Would you say that would work as well? Yes. You know, you want to have a criteria that the sub can meet, mm -hmm. you know, you just don't want to get anybody or you can judge, you have something written down you can judge the possible subs on mm -hmm. you know you also want to do your research on the, the subs you're using you know have there been other companies used them had good luck has there been companies use them have bad luck you know it just depends so looking at the reviews now you're <clears throat> if you're running a field service company would you suggest mainly doing it most all subs or would you do you prefer w2s or are you more like 
in between, like everybody else. Because it seems like a lot of companies are going with W, a little bit of W2, a little bit of subs. Honestly, I would go mixed. I would go mixed. So you think they're pretty, like everybody's pretty balanced here when they are doing like half subs or half W2? Yeah. It just, what is your bread and butter? Mm-hmm. You know, is service your bread and butter where you want to make sure you have really good control of that? Or is it install where you want to have the most control? Mm-hmm. So it's really what matters to me on how I want to go about it. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we, we touched pretty good stuff here on, on, you know, there's a lot of information. We hope it helps you guys. Um, we just don't want to waste all your time. So yeah, with that being said, we are going to let you guys go. Um, Um, however, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us at kteamconsulting at chisystem.com. Oh, check out the few, uh, first, um, time fix rate tracker. Yes. Check, definitely check that out guys. Because like we were saying here, you know, um, that's really going to help you. I mean, I think 20, like only 27% of companies are tracking their first time fix rate. Um, it's astonishing. And, uh, we're getting this data. Uh, there's actually an organization, um, called the service council and this is what they do. They, they go in and they investigate the whole field service company, um, or industry. And it's just astounding, you know, 27%. Um, don't be one of those companies, you know, uh, if you don't understand your first time fix rate, you know, it's basically, you know, how many times you got to go out for, for a revisit. You really, really don't want to have anything lower than 90, anything lower than 90. So definitely check that out at chitsystem.com slash freebies. Um, we do hope this helped you out. All right. You'll have a great day, great evening, wherever it is, whatever time it is you guys are at. Um, thank you again. Until next time. King Consulting signing off. And until next time.